Welcome to Digital Hospitality. I am your host, Sean Walsh, it's a Cali BB Media production. Every single week, we are trying to find thought leaders that are playing the game in the game. What do I mean by that? Digital hospitality, our thesis is that every business needs to be digital and every business needs to be in the hospitality business. Uh, we say that every week, and those of you that follow the show, wait for all the times that you act with us on Twitter, whether you message on LinkedIn, whether you send a direct email about how the show has impacted you or how you've shared it, it, it truly touches. Uh, Stover, who produces the show, Ian's our writer. We have a whole team at Calorie Media, Aaron from Rising Tides. Um, I, I make sure you guys understand how much the messages mean to you. Um, I take the time, everybody, if there's a question that you have. Uh, this is greatest time to be alive, opinion, um, especially in business. And if you're listening to this podcast, we have a kinship, whether you know it or not, that you love to learn. People don't listen to podcasts unless they be entertained or they want to. Learn. And typically, audio my experience, I typically grew up listening to sports talk radio. Um, it was something that made me learn more about the teams that I loved and the personalities that I loved. Uh, it was until I found podcasts that I realized, wait, somebody's talking about talking building a great company that does great. Um, somebody's talking about faith. They didn't teach that in business school. Uh, so our job every week is to bring people that are not just in digital marketing, um, not just in digital media, but people that are personal, that are leaders, um, people that we respect. It's the magic that happens uh, with the internet is we call it the moment where you realize we're way more connected than you thought possible. Uh, today's guest is Daryl Stinson. He is the CEO of Second Chance Athletes. He's a past. He gave a TEDx talk, which is phenomenal, and I highly recommend you that out. Um, and he's a suicide survivor. We're going to talk about things that typically people don't talk about. We don't talk about it a lot on this podcast. Um, we talk about depression. We've had Dave Palais on his son, Jake Palais. Um, Jake's projects is something that um, as well as Kyle Fluger on the podcast, he does mobile first website, giving back. Um, Jake was an athlete. One of the things I love about Daryl's, he, he was talking to the forgotten athlete and then played sports. You know what? Played sports, played sports because it made us feel better, made us feel competitive for the first time, made us included. And there's some that they didn't feel included and they, they, they got away from sports. They resented the fact that they didn't get on sports teams. Um, our job as leaders is to find out and inspire and people that can let you know that you're not alone, um, especially now in today's day and age. You're not alone in sales, alone as a dad. You're not alone as a husband. Um, Dale has a very powerful story. Um, I've been on his podcast, which was an incredible time when I said, yes, we're going to purpose that um, on this feed. But when I talked to him, it was talking to myself. <laughs> when you, there's few people where you meet them and you're on the same like, in frequency, as Meltzer would say, uh, I've already followed up multiple times, and I'm honored to have him on the show. I can't wait for him to share his story. Like I said, there's there, there's darkness in his story, but it's the fact that he's man enough to acknowledge that darkness, something that I admire dearly. Um, grateful to have. Him. 
Uh, if, you, if you know someone needs the message, please let them um, welcome to digital hospitality. Man, I told him I used to break it down and roll it up. I bet you know the scene. So many flavors. I couldn't name them. I just called them jelly beans. They called me serving. My service was flipping pounds of king. But now my purpose is certain. I'm here to serve the king. I had to die to live. Some call that resurrection. My Jesus cut me from the womb like a C-section. Too many haters around me. I tell them, keep it stepping. Got sick of bragging about my grain money. So now I keep excedrin knowledge. They label me a reverend. I tell them not at all. My bars give them more energy than an Adderall. Like 23 and 63, man, I was born to ball. A slave to symbol, my Jesus came and took it off. So many people told me, boy, you'll never do it. Leave that Christian rap to Craig because she don't know what you're pursuing. I say, you neither. <laughs> Leave them gangster raps alone and come and join with the believers. So anyways, man, what's up? Yeah, that's um, how you that's how you drop into a podcast <laughs> 150 podcasts in nobody nobody's no one's dropped in like that nobody's dropped in like that man uh I, i'm feeling it today man fire i love it well i'm excited man thanks for having me on um i know today's gonna be fire uh thank you for everybody who's listening in um i can tell you this uh you're gonna take something away today. Um, and here's, here's why I believe that. Uh, because when I attempted suicide and I was fortunate enough to survive the multiple suicide attempts, um, I told God to make my life worth living. And I value life uh, in every moment because to me, it's a gift. I know it's a gift to everyone, but to me, I am living a life that I try to end. And so uh, I'm going to give you guys everything I got and um, in hopes that you will be inspired, equipped and happier. <laughs> That's what I'm about. So let's get into it. Let's get into it. I, I, you know, before we get to the attempted suicide and you playing as a you know college athlete, high profile college athlete, um, I want you to bring us back to, to growing up because mm-hmm race has become such an important topic. It's always been a topic in this country. It's, it's weird for me. I've lived a privileged life. My grandfather was an immigrant. He made a success out of himself, became a medical doctor. I never met my father. He raised me. He made sure that I went to private education. So in private school, I went to, you know, the La Jolla in, in La Jolla, the Bishop school, which is a high school that we had a hundred, a hundred in our class. We never saw race, even though it was a majority of white kids. There were kids that were African-American. There were kids that were Asian. And we all had just an incredible time growing up. And a lot of it was through sports. You know, a lot of that time was through sports. But I listened to um, you, your podcast with Parker Kane, who I love that guy. He's fucking amazing. Um, and you started talking about how you grew up with white kids and then with black kids. And I'd love for you to take us there because I can't go there. That's not, I I grew up how I grew up. And I Mm -hmm. think it's important to have that conversation. Yeah. Well, the funny thing is, is I was so naive, man. And um, I was really smart. And so my mom put me in accelerated learning classes, which in Jackson, Michigan, where I'm from, meant that I was one of two black students in an all white class. And there was actually nothing wrong with that. Like they liked me. They laughed at my jokes. Like, they cheated off my test. Uh, they nicknamed me Goon because I was big and goony. And I was popular and I had the, I had a big ego. So I thought since they liked me, everybody must like me. Like I'm the best thing since sliced bread. And 
one day I'm walking down the hallway and I, talk, I tell this story in my TEDx talk, Overcoming Rejection, and I see this group of black students circled together and they're just, they're just laughing it up. So me being charismatic, thinking I'm the stuff, I'm like, I'm going to go in and get on the jokes. So I'm going to go like crack some jokes on them. So I go over there, I'm like, yeah, what's so funny? A uh, kid in the group turned towards me and he says, you're what's funny, white boy. And I was like, white boy. And I didn't quite get it, but they all started laughing and I walked away and I started asking around, like, what does that mean? And come to find out I was known in our school as the black kid that talked and act white. And that wasn't the most dangerous thing. The most dangerous thing was what I believed. I believed that who I was wasn't enough to be liked or loved by others. Something was wrong for me. And that started this deep root of insecurity in my heart and my mind that basically, if you listen to the talk, sent me on this journey of changing everything that I was. I mean, the way that I talked, the way that I laughed, the music I listened to, I changed the way that I walked. I changed my study habits. I started skipping school, selling drugs, doing all of this stuff to fit in with this minority community to be accepted by them. And it worked. <laughs> yeah. They accepted me. I got street cred. Like they called me goon, but it was a different type of goon. Then instead of goofy goon, I was like big bad goon. And deep down inside, I knew it wasn't me who they accepted. It was who I was pretending to be. Did you lose any of your friends that were white when you? Made I I did not. I um, escorted them out of my life, and it's one of the things that I'm most embarrassed to admit. But. Um, it took about, so that happened in the third grade, that incident, by the time I got to the seventh grade, uh, I, I had to choose, right? It was either you were going to the bonfire with the whites or you were going to the basement party with the blacks. <laughs> and, and I chose, uh, the minority community cause you know, some of my cousins <laughs> and, um, I remember walking down the hallway in seventh grade and I can literally see the girl's face. She, uh, her, her name was Angie and she had liked me. And uh, that was back when, um, uh, what was that? AOL, right? Yeah. <laughs> AOL yeah. people. And, and she was trying to like, you know, give me the chat on AOL and all this stuff. And that's and American I, online for anybody. Yeah, I know. I know. It's, 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 dated. it's like, you know, the it's like the, the first, first <laughs> form of text messaging. <laughs> that's when digital hospitality started. Right? Yeah, exactly. With the dial up internet yeah. and, you know, I trying to sneak like yeah. late at night, got caught. Yeah. So, um, I remember walking by her, seeing her look at me and she got so excited cause she liked me and she wanted to talk to me. And I remember fixing my eyes right over her head as if I never saw her. And that was the day that I started acting like I didn't even know them. Yeah. Same school, mm -hmm. same school. I was still in the same class, but I started skipping. And when I saw him in the hallway, I, I just act like I didn't talk to him because I didn't want to be labeled as, see, look at him talking to the white people. And so I, man, it's, it's hurt. It's, it's, hurt. it's personal to me because these were really my friends. <laughs> you know, like we had moments together. I, I stayed night at their house. Like, um, you know, I remember uh, there was a girl, I know she doesn't mind me sharing this, a girl named Dana, her brother passed away. Um, they owned uh, the uh, waste company in our town. It's called Emmons, Emmons, uh, waste disposal and uh her brother passed away it was a really big deal because their family was you know very wealthy and she struggled with that and i remember like kind of walking her through that and then you know when i started hanging out with the black people i just act like i didn't even know her so like we you know i was tight yeah um but that's how desperate i was for the affirmation of others yeah 
So, yeah, man. Nah, I'm not proud of it. Well, I mean, not proud of it is one thing, but it's, you know, only through acknowledgement and through sharing do we learn the lessons. And I yeah. think that's what, you know, attracts me to your story. And I know anybody that's listening because we've all, we've all been kids, you know, mm-hmm. we've all been kids. And as much as we don't acknowledge race, as much as we don't acknowledge rich kids versus poor kids, like this happens all the time and it's happened mm-hmm. throughout history. And But how do we talk about it? Mm-hmm. You know, how do we talk about as a child, I have a son, I've got a daughter, they're going to go through school. And how do I talk to them about skin color? How do I talk yeah. to them about it's, you know, learn who they are and who they are as a family. I mean, our family's from Bulgaria. If somebody starts giving my son or daughter a hard time because we're Bulgarian, mm-hmm. that's going to affect my wife and it's going to affect me. It's going to affect them, you yeah. know, and then, then do they have to hide that when they come home? I mean, those mm-hmm. are, these are powerful things that we just really don't really talk about. Yeah. Yeah. We live in our own bubbles and the best thing we can do is be relationally diverse right? Uh, To me, diversity is not a strategy. It's a lifestyle. And it's not a lifestyle I grew up with. (laughs) I grew up very isolated. I grew up, um, you know, very sheltered in the sense from, you know, racial ethnicity and diversity Um, to the the point where, I mean, I've said some really rude things that I shouldn't have said before. And I think that it's so challenging because we're so afraid of the unknown. We're so afraid of discomfort and we don't want to offend anybody. But I think that the process of of learning, asking the right questions, being willing to give grace is how we walk this thing out. Like I can't. And this is where it kind of differs. Like I differ from some some minorities, not all minorities think the same. Right. But but some of them, like if you say something offensive to me as a white man, like you just burned the bridge. Right. Whereas like in my mindset, it's like, no, dude, you, you didn't know you're actually trying to learn. So why would I get offended and kill an opportunity for reconciliation? Right. And I tell I, I was talking about this on Fox and um, they, they asked me the question, uh, what did I think about Drew Brees's remarks? Right? Oh, really? uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that came up. Right. And, 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 you know, and yeah, he issued a public apology and all that. And they were like, but do you think like it's going to stop? other athletes from speaking up and now using their platform because they're going to be afraid to say the wrong thing like Drew Brees did. Right. And, and I was like, well, if you put a period there, then yes. But what if we put a comma there instead of putting a period? Here's what I mean by that. What if you sit him and LeBron James down, who was, you know, mad about what he said and you, you had them talk about it and it was a learning moment and a reconciliation that was modeled. How many more people would speak up? Cause they realized if I say the wrong thing, I still can end up in the right place. Correct. That's the process. It's messy, but it's worth it. And we've got to be willing to step into uncomfortable conversations to create change. And the more uncomfortable conversations we have and the more diversity of thought, it it's the level of curiosity, you know, being more interested than interesting, mm-hmm. asking those questions of why do people act the way that they do? And you, you learn that a lot by traveling, you know, you can be the cocky American and yeah. go around and pretend like, you know, every, every single trip, every city that I've been to in Europe, every city that I've been to in the world, they have a perception of what Americans are. If I take the time to sit down and talk to somebody and learn, they explain to me those perceptions and where they came from. They came mm-hmm. from a lot of Americans acting poorly. Right. Mm-hmm. So they have a perception, but, after we have a conversation, like when I was studying in Spain, sitting down and telling 
you know, two people that have very strong opinions of how bad Americans are mm-hmm. started walking through it. And then they're talking to me and Corey, you know, my closest friend who was, the, who was traveling, like, well, you guys aren't like that. Like, yeah, not all Americans are like that. Right. You know? Right. Exactly. But how do we change that conversation? We have to get into that conversation. Exactly. You know, that's we have, it. <laughs> they, have, they have to be willing to get into that conversation too. Yeah. I'm going to make a statement, man. And I'm probably, there's probably gonna be a lot of people send me some hate mail. But it's 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 what I believe. I let, let me let me preface the statement with this: uh, systemic racism is real. Yeah. Um, I've been called uh, nigger more times than I would like to admit. I hope that's okay to say. Yes. Um, I've been. Um, <laughs> no, I was, number one. No, it's not okay to say. How about that? <laughs> not okay to say, but it's okay yeah. for you to say it on the yeah. podcast because yeah. people need to hear it. Yeah, yeah. So That's I've been called. Truth. I've been called that. I mean, I was dating a, a girl, and um, who was white, and her parents told her that if we had children together, that they would pretend that they were babysitting our child because it was mixed. I've been chased down by an angry white mob. I've been pulled over and searched without probable cause. Um, I was <laughs> I was almost in jail because of racial discrimination. I have a lot of examples. I, I've got family members who are still locked up because of discrimination, right? Um, and so it runs deep, okay? Here's the statement. I still believe that the key to reconciliation is not policy, it's relationship. Yeah. I still believe it. I, I still believe it. And it's funny because I face the same problem. It's all about accepting differences. I, f- I face the same problem here. We had this addiction recovery, like ministry, right? Uh, outreach initiative where we empower recovering addicts, right? To live better lives. And and it's at a church. And they come and they're not churchy. They swear. They're fresh out of jail. They smoke cigarettes. In the parking lot, you get these religious people who come and are like, eh, why are they smoking cigarettes? It's not allowed in public property. And I'm like, dude, they're not shooting dope. Yeah, correct. Like perspective, man. And, yeah. and so uh, so when I try to get volunteers to come serve, they're like, well, I can't relate. We're not like them. I'm like, what do you mean? Yeah. yeah, We're all people, right? And so I stopped, you know, talking on Sunday or sitting in the lobby trying to get people to come volunteer. You know what I started to say? I started to say, hey, hey, just, just come see. You don't have to help. You don't even have to talk. Just come watch. And you yeah. know what happened? A hundred percent of the time, every, every time somebody came, they realized, oh, this is my uncle. This is my cousin. This is my, these people are just like my family. They're, I, I was one decision away from being just like them. I was one environmental situation. I, I say this sometimes. Sometimes the only difference between them and us is that they got caught. We didn't, you know, like, yeah. and, and so that's the reality. And, but it's that exposure that creates the, the, I, I still believe in the human potential. I still believe people are good. It's just that we sit behind screens and we judge people based upon like a condensed version of what we see. Yeah. And not a, it's like we see a scene and we think it's the whole movie. And right. we've got to get into people's whole movies, period. Yeah. But we want to live in a binary world. And the problem is context is really what defines all of us. Mm. You know, context it's not i'm this or i'm that no i'm i'm an onion like you, you know you mm-hmm. you're gonna get certain parts of me depending on where we are it's not that i'm a different person it's just depending on the situation 
we're talking about different things, you know, right. it's like it didn't come up that I was a dad or I'd never met my father or that I'm a recovering right. alcoholic. <laughs> that didn't come up. That doesn't mean that I'm not an alcoholic that owns a bar. Yeah. Like, that's a different conversation, but yeah. in context, it's, you know, we put presumptions on the people we know and the things that we do, yeah. but in that same idea, when you focus on good, when you focus yeah. on gratitude, when you focus on the things that compel you, ideas, mm-hmm. you can f- be present. Like you said, be present at church for the volunteer. You can mm-hmm. be present in a podcast. You can choose mm-hmm. to listen. You can choose to consume mm-hmm. content that's for good, that inspires you to yeah. be better yourself. Yeah. Um, yeah. Tell me about going into sports, what sports mm. did for you and where it got you. Sports gave me the freedom to not have to choose between white and blacks because they didn't care if I went to the bonfire or the basement party, as long as I was scoring points, as long as, as long as we were winning games. Right. Yeah. And so uh, me being ranked number three in the state of Michigan, um, two behind Draymond Green, uh, being number Draymond nine. In, Green, really? Yeah. 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 Draymond? yeah. Yeah. So he, he won Mr. Basketball. I'm still pissed about that. <laughs> <laughs> hilarious. I was so pissed about that. And we played uh, preseason. Uh, he was at Saginaw High. He played. We played against each other preseason. It was like a big deal. There's scouts there, all the stuff. Number one versus number three. Uh, and I feel like I should have been number two because number two was Brad Redford, and the dude was like, he he was a shooter. He went to Xavier to play. He could shoot lights uh-huh. out, but he was like five, like two, man. I'm like, come on, man. I yeah, you gonna put him two? Anyways, he went to Xavier. I didn't even end up playing in college because I, you know, end up being better at football, but. Um, yeah, so I, you know, number nine in the Midwest in football, and I come into college with this big head and also this, this desperation to be successful as an athlete because it was my identity. I didn't have to choose. People liked me for me and not because I was talking white or talking black. Right. And so I, they just love me for being an athlete. So that wrapped my identity around that. And then at the same time, you know, I came from poverty. So this was my ticket to get family out of the hood to like put everybody on the map, like be the hero. Right. And um, I got, so, so here's one thing I want, I want people to catch, right? Because a lot of things that happen in our life and in our business start when we're young. Yeah. So remember the lie that I told you, I started to believe that who I was, wasn't enough to be liked or loved by others that fueled my athletic competitiveness, right? I wanted to perform well so I could be loved well. And people are trying to meet bottom lines so they can be loved well. People are trying to get uh, viral videos because they want to be loved well. People are being promiscuous on social media because they want to be loved well. Like it's just this deep need to be loved well instead of just being transparent and being okay with being rejected and loved by some and hated by others. Um, So my freshman year, I come in trying to earn love and respect from people. I already had a couple of uh, bulging discs in my back. It wasn't anything too severe, but I wasn't supposed to be squatting, but I wanted to impress all of the upperclassmen with how strong I was. So I, you know, they got the freshman weight and then they got the, like you're in between freshman and upperclassmen. Then they got the, the, the senior weights. Like you, you got to put in four years of work to do this. And I'm like, yeah. I can do that. So <laughs> I put it on my back. Like I'm going to be the only freshman that's not doing freshman weight. And I go one rep, two rep, three ruptured a disc in my back all because I was trying to impress and earn love. 
This is why it's important, my friend, to go back and process this stuff because unprocessed pain, unprocessed rejection becomes ill-processed pain and rejection, meaning that we don't want to think about this stuff because we want to avoid it. And we think that by not thinking about it, it's not affecting our life when in reality, we're making inaccurate conclusions about our pain. And we're taking that belief system into our current life. It's so powerful. And that's what I did. It's so powerful. It's it's so true. And yeah, that's what, that's what therapy is. But pe- you know, there's always oh, yeah. a negative connotation with men taking having therapy. What's wrong with you? I mean, yeah. just look at Dak Prescott coming and talking about depression. Yeah, yeah. You know? yeah, yeah. And so I always get this when I talk about my struggle with mental health. I get, oh, you're so brave. Thank you for being so transparent with your story. And I always go like. Why would I not be? Yes. Because I'm trying to normalize this conversation. You shouldn't be shocked by this. In fact, you know what I believe? This is just my belief. I think everybody needs a counselor. Yeah. <laughs> it's just too much going on. I I, I mean, I agree. I, you I see had, what I'm saying? I had to go to therapy to realize that I was an enabler to my family. Mm. And ultimately, mm. I mean, what my therapist told me, which I'll never forget, was she goes, okay, well, I know you don't have children at this point. I didn't have kids. She goes, but I want to explain something to you. When you go traveling on a plane and they're going mm-hmm. through the safety instructions mm-hmm. and you're traveling with children, the airbag comes down. And when the mm-hmm. airbag comes down, what do they tell you to do? I say, well, they tell you to put the mask on the kids. No, <laughs> you put the mask on yourself because yep. if you don't help yourself, you're worthless to the kids. Mm-hmm. which is a pat like in order to be selfless, you have to be selfish. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is such a hard concept for somebody like when you want to do good, you want to help, but if you're not helping yourself, what yeah. good are you to anybody else? What, mm-hmm. what kind of dad can I be if I'm burning the candle on both ends? What kind of husband can I be? Yeah. But the reason why we do that as people is because we value others more than we value ourselves. Yeah. They're worth my time. They're worth the intention. They can do it. They got this. And me, not me. I'm not worth an investment. I'm not worth the time. I'm not worth the self-care. I, I don't deserve a massage on a beach. They deserve it. I'm lesser than them. We've spent too much time comparing ourselves instead of loving ourselves. Yeah. We just got to love ourselves. And it's, and it's fine because that is how we love others. Um, man, I, I want people to recognize, like, I I really want to normalize mental health conversations because I think if we stop making it the, the the thing that no one can talk about, like, like, Oh, you're depressed. No, no. You know, like you're, because, and here's one of, here's one of the things I've been saying that I think will help people reframe uh, depression in general, anybody who's struggling emotionally. Okay. I used to say to people um, in the first year or two of me sharing my story, I used to come in front of keynotes and do all this stuff. And I used to say that I never had the guts to pull the trigger. I would swallow pills. I would do alcohol. I would drink, drink and drive, but I would never pull the trigger to my head. And everybody would be like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. That makes sense. Right. And I was presenting it as if I wasn't strong enough to pull the trigger. When in reality, the reverse was true. 
I was, it was actually takes more strength to keep going when nothing in you feels like keep going than it does to quit. And I, I want people to see those who are struggling with depression and anxiety as like the same way we view the scene in Rocky where he just keeps getting back up. And after he gets hit and hit, we cheer him on and we're like, go Rocky, go. And we's like, man, he's strong. We, everybody wants to be right. Everybody wants to run up the stairs. Why? Because you see a person who's taken so many punches, but yet they keep getting back up. People who are fighting depression, anxiety, mental illness are some of the strongest people in the world because they keep getting punched. They keep fighting thoughts that they're not good enough, but yet they keep getting back up. So if you are struggling with depression, anxiety, feeling like you want to quit, dealing with overwhelm, you don't have to be low and out. You don't have to be broke and homeless. You can be rich and successful and still depressed and think like, man, if anybody knows that I'm struggling like, don't you understand? That was my struggle. I was a successful athlete, externally successful, internally failing. Yes. And there's a lot of people that won't admit that because they think it's weakness. And I'm trying to reframe it as it's actually strength. It takes more strength to speak up about it than it does to be quiet about it. Yes. I can and if we can get that, I'm telling you, the industry would change. We, like, it would, be, it would be normal to talk to a counselor. It would be normal to say I'm struggling with depression. And guess what? It will last a lot. Uh, it, would be, uh, it would be a lot shorter of a battle. Yeah. Because I say this, depression grows in darkness, but it multiplies in silence. It'll grow when you're alone, but when you're silent, that thing will get worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. It's very, very powerful because I know just from personal experience, suicide has become such a bigger topic than I would have ever imagined given the life that I've led, but it doesn't discriminate. Yeah. The, the stories have been from very successful, wealthy white yeah. men to yeah. people that I know over here by the restaurant yeah. that no one was there to help them or they didn't cry. You know, the cries for help went unanswered. Um, the conversation was never there. Nobody, it, it, it wasn't normal. It wasn't okay. To mm-hmm. that things mm-hmm. were wrong. Yeah. And I, tell me if you agree with this. Okay. In business, right? Usually when a person's struggling to grow, scale their business, it has something to do with mindset. It, they typically think it's I would about, argue it has everything to do with mindset. Right. Fact, but they, the more but, that I study it, the more that I'm it's almost mindset. convinced that it's <laughs> But if you talk to somebody, a lot of times they're like, well, no, it's not. It's whatever. It's marketing. It's this. It's the tactics. It's the yeah. tools. And you're like, no. Sales. It's too much expense. Like, yeah, exactly. It it's the economy, you know, and it's the mindset, right? And, and so in, in the moment, and I know thought leaders know this. That's why every course starts out with like the first modules are like mindset modules, right? Mm-hmm. The way that you break. So here, here's in business. Typically when people have mindset issues, it's because they believe a half truth, right? Um, or just a full out lie. But most of the times it's half truth. It sounds something like this. Uh, you're not good enough to make $1 million, a year. Okay. When in reality, so, so here's, here's the half truth. They're not making a million dollars a year. <laughs> That's the truth. Right. But, but the lie is that they're not worth it. Yeah. 
And that's why it's so deceiving because I believe half of this, you know what? I don't have a million dollars. So that must mean that I'm not worth a million. And it's like, no, no, no. You're actually worth more than that. And it's distinguishing between what's true and what's half true. That's the trick. <laughs> Very true. So listen to this. Listen to this. Let me tell you some half truths that depression tells you. You ready? Depression tells you that you're the only one going through your unique situation that no one else can relate because your personality is so different. Your situation is so different. When in reality, people might not be have the exact same situation as yours, but people can relate to feeling like they want to quit. Yes. It's a half truth. You do have a unique situation. But there is somebody that can relate. You know, another half truth that the future is meaningless, right? Like, oh man, there's nothing. That was me, right? So my best days are behind me as an athlete. I peaked, you know, I was ranked number nine and three. And now I'm going to be like average business person, <laughs> like, like my ego, right? And, and the future is just going to be meaningless. And it's a lie because right now it's just that I can't see how meaningful the future will be. And I have to recognize these half truths. And I, cause I, I feel like we're smart people. And when we recognize oh, I'm being lied to, I'm being deceived. I feel like we'll wake up and be like, no way. And I just want people to see beyond their pain, beyond their current circumstances and into the potential of the future. That's so powerful because the half truths have guided literally the digital hospitality thesis it's guided these offline businesses to think that this is the only way you can build these businesses you can't ask the question why. yes yes you can't ask the question why we've always built our you name it restaurant you name it we mm -hmm. barbershop you, you name the business this is how a law firm is built this is how nobody can question why but we all know that it all has to change because it's all changed in the last 20 years Oh like how we conduct so business. Good. Literally, I went to cloud beds with Adam and, and Richard, two <laughs> men that I admire deeply for the global company that they're building. They have properties all over the world, number one hospitality tech software, and they have space, office space. Mm -hmm. Literally, they're a new tech company that has yeah. a lot of office space in a headquarter, but they have to figure out how to do it differently. Yep. It's much easier for the tech company to ask the why question because that's mm. how they've been living. It's fail fast. Mm -hmm. Institutional businesses that have been built for all these decades, all these hundreds of years, mm. how are we going to change? But, but then, you, then you start talking about the depression or the anxiety yeah. or the fear. Yeah. How, what now what? Yeah. What are we going to do? I'm just gonna ring this bell for you, man. This is my Victorian bell because oh yeah, did I get that's a bell how, ring? Is that's that how good? much you get the the real. This is real deal Victorian bell, man. And um, you got you get the because it's so true. What you're just saying is so true, man. And if we could just rec but here's the thing, man. And you know this, um, as you grow in business and in life, you have to develop your ability to think. It's like, th this is such a lame quote, but it's one of my favorites. It's like, the mind is a terrible thing to waste. And I've heard, I don't know who I've heard say this before. I, I listen to so many people, but they were like, you know, we're all created, right? And they're like, well, the lion has its roar and the giraffe has its hide and, and the hippo has its, you know, bulk or whatever. And what did God give the, the human? His mind. Can you understand that because we have a mind, we are able to wrestle 
a lion who is way stronger than us? <laughs> okay, let me say it this way. Because you have a mind, you are able to build a business that may seem like there's more problems right now than there are solutions. Yeah. Because you have a mind, you are able to break through a barrier, a load, a burden of depression because you can envision with your mind a brighter future. Your mind is a terrible thing to waste. So we've got to-dos, we've got meetings. I want to know, do we have intentional time on our calendar to think? Yes, proactive Think. Proactive. There's a book called Pay to for Think. Yourself, for yourself. Yeah. Quiet time, meditation time. Oh, God. Reading time. Podcast yes. time. Yeah. To put the mask from the airplane on yourself. Yes. So you go and fix the entire plane and build more planes and yep. do whatever you're going to do with whatever your business you're building. <laughs> yeah. But if we don't take care of ourselves first and have the conversation, we can't be the best, the best me. I can't be the best me. You can't be the best you. Mm-hmm. When did, when did you start, who was, who was, who or who multiple were the inspirations towards thought? That's, that's, that's a good question. Um, well, I would say it started with, uh, my mentor and pastor, uh, Travis Hall. He's got a podcast too. It's called, uh, transformational truths with Travis. And, um, he saw me when I was still uh, selling drugs <laughs> and he looked at me and said, I see a leader in you. And I was like, oh, that's some pastor's supposed to say, I can't, he don't know me. He don't, if he knew I was old drugs, he wouldn't say that, you know? Yeah. And, and, but it was, I, it was the first time my thoughts were being challenged to go higher about myself. Everything else up at that point was like, you're not good enough. Got to perform, got to perform, got to perform. That was like, man, you're better than what you could imagine. And I was like, what? And it, 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 that was the first time I started taking inventory. So then I'm doing therapy, right? And then my counselor, her name's Sean Larry, right? Shameless plug in Michigan, right? She's one of the best, right? And it took me like seven or eight to get to her. And <laughs> she starts t- talking about self-talk. Okay. You got to like, you know, if you, if you think it, if you think about it, you're going to bring about it, right? Like all that stuff, like you got to declare and do verbal affirmations. Like I'm more than enough and I can do this. I'm a seven figure entrepreneur, like all this stuff. Right. And I'm like, man, that stuff is woo woo, man. I'm not about to sit there and brainwash myself. Right. And this was 45 minutes into the session. I was frustrated. If you've ever been to a therapy session, you know, sometimes they're not productive. So you'll go for like, like the, you're getting close to that hour mark and you have done nothing but like class. venture problems. Yeah. And you're like, where's the solution? This is frustrating. So I was getting yeah. frustrated. And so she starts telling me this woo stuff to do. I'm like, man, that I'm not with that. Like that, I'm not trying to sit there and brainwash myself. Like I was literally yelling at her and, and bless her, man. This is why she's awesome. She goes, Daryl, wake up. We've been talking for 45 minutes and all you've said is negative, low self-esteem, self-esteem thoughts. You're already brainwashing yourself with negativity. You might as well change the tape. And I was like, ding. (laughs) Ring that. Because I had never thought about the fact that there was so much negative and that I could intentionally set my thought life. Yes. 
And when you do that, it starts to open up possibilities to you. Like if I think I can, I think I can, I never will. But if I think I can, I think I can, I somehow will. Wow. And that really began my journey of like, okay, I've got to work on this. I've got to intentionally use this mind of mine. And, you know, you meet one person, you read another book and guys like David who, who take you to a whole nother level exponentially. Well, yeah, when and, you start hearing David talk about abundance <laughs> and the power of the internet and the power <laughs> that, you know, digital hospitality, like it doesn't matter what we call it. Yeah. When, when you're talking about the frequency of storytelling and the mm-hmm. frequency of thought, positive thought for good, you can make such an impact on this world because of these inventions that have been made. We're literally building on the backs of giants yep. on the backs of Bill Gates, on the backs of Steve yep. jobs, on the backs of Bezos. Like they've done all the heavy lifting. Mm-hmm. Now our job, you listening to this podcast, whatever you care about, you need to start caring more about it. Listen, mm-hmm. like start finding and researching and asking questions mm-hmm. the more that you surround yourself with the things that you care about. And stop listening because there's people close to you. And I know it personally, people close to me that'll call you crazy. Mm-hmm. What are you doing and why are yeah. you doing it? Because yeah. you can't explain why you're even listening to the podcast. <laughs> but you shouldn't have to. You just right. keep doing it. Yep. You know, the best advice that I can give is that we are where we are now and we're only on the cusp. Because mm-hmm. this digital hospitality thesis, this thing that you and I are talking about, like mental health when the right people and the right leaders start to understand how to simplify their message with all the tools that we have, mm. make it easy to access. Message you don't change. need to be at your church in Duluth, yep. Atlanta. Yep. You can have an imprint globally yep. and you can help and inspire somebody before they even begin their depression. Change the game. Change the game. The reason why people don't engage more digitally is the same way they don't change their life in any other area. It's because we have a tendency as humans to dramatically overestimate the process and underestimate the potential. When it comes to working out, we think about going to the gym. It's going to be so hard. I got to pay money. I got to do this. I'm not going to be able to breathe. I'm going to die. I'm going to die. <laughs> like, and we think about all that, but we forget how I'm going to feel when I'm in the best shape of my life. Yeah. When it comes to the online digital space, it's like, oh man, I got to figure out. I don't know tech. I, I don't know what my bio is supposed to be. I can't design graphics. I can't do this. I can't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't. It's like we over, over focus on and emphasize the process and we forget what happens if what you just said happens. If somebody who was in the same situation that you were in can get out of that situation faster, live a better life sooner because you chose to be brave and get digital. Yeah. They could be across the world and you could be making a difference. You, like I told my grandma, my grandma makes good barbecue sauce, by the way. And um, I told her like, like she's so set that the only way for her to sell barbecue sauce (laughs) is to make it in her home and have people come over to her house and then buy it. Like, girl, put this thing on the internet, put your face on it, call it grandma's sauce and people buy, buy that thing. Yes. And it's just like to her, there's that one way to do it. And so we're still in that conversation, but man, she's so, I don't know. I don't know. I'm like, grandma, look, you can find somebody to, I'll, like if I lived in Michigan, I so would do it. Like yeah. set up a camera in the kitchen, just watch Absolutely. her cook. Cause she's phenomenal. Absolutely. I mean, that's, that's just one example. 
Well, that's the thing that excites me the most is I get to have conversations with people like you that inspire me to continue to do the work that we do on this podcast, to continue to meet listeners that are inspired in return to understand that all the answers to our questions, all the answers to our insecurities, it's right in our pocket. Right. Right in we, we hold it all day long. We have the yeah. greatest tool that's ever been invented for yeah. at this point in this time in history, there's yeah. been no greater tool than that thing that we all have. And we're on, yeah. but then somehow we don't think our business should be on there. Why isn't our business on there? Why in our, if you care enough about the business and the work that you're doing, why shouldn't it be on TikTok? Why shouldn't it be an email? Why shouldn't it be in tweeted out? Because mm-hmm. what if you can impact somebody it, like, what are we doing here? Mm-hmm. Like, what are we doing? We need to get re-inspired. Yeah. Really? And we need to develop an abundance mindset that says that because a scarcity mindset will only look at what you can see right in front of you. Well, nobody out there cares about this, but an abundance mindset says somebody out there cares about this. (laughs) And that's what caused us to share. Because I think if people knew that they would succeed and like, I think if people knew that if you shared change will happen, they knew there was no doubt. I think they would do it. I think it's the fear that it, it might not work. Well, how long is it going to take too? How long is it going to take? Am I going to post and get two likes? 13, 13 years to be as confident as I am. And yeah. go all the hell that we oh, went. Yeah. Like that was a long road, but I, yeah. I, it was the greatest road ever. Yeah. It's given me a PhD that I could never got. There's nowhere on earth where I could have gotten the education that I got yeah. trying to run a barbecue business in yeah. San Diego in a part yeah. of San Diego. I shouldn't be in yeah. like, during the time of the smartphone. Yeah. Yeah. That's why. And I learned, I learned this term. I didn't use this term before. I don't know what I used to call it. I probably pride. David calls it ego, but mm-hmm. ego, we got to get out of our own way. We got to get out. We like, we think we're so self-focused, man. Like in, like we can't see this world around us. And it's like, man, get out of your own way. Everything's not about you. You know? So if you post the video or the graphic and you get two likes, so what? Yes. It's not about your ego. Yeah. Right? Just keep doing it. Cause it's the right thing to do. Well, it's, it's muscle memory. It's the same mm-hmm. way that you work out. If you don't mm-hmm. practice the muscle, you're never yep. going to find the benefits. And once yes. you stop looking at all the platforms as yeah. this is Pinterest or this, like, I don't yeah. care how you feel about Facebook, forget about the name. <laughs> stop looking at the name, literally remove the images. It's just a different spot <laughs> on the map. Those are all, it's just a big map. Do you want your, do you want your message on that map? Well, guess yeah. what? It's video, audio, written word and text yeah. and, and images. Yeah make it in that form for whatever yeah. platform it is. It's just a map, like get yeah. rid of the logo because the logo, all of a sudden you're perceived of, Oh, I'm not going to be on Twitter. Cause I, yeah. Twitter stupid. Yep. Well, stop thinking like that. Do you yeah. text? You know how to text? <laughs> Can you do a group text? Think about your great ideas I know, jokes that you send in your group. I know. Those funny jokes, they might resonate with somebody on the other side of the world. Yeah. And that person might go else. Oh, they share it to somebody else. Now you actually have a community. Yeah. And all your funny jokes that you, yeah. you love joking around yeah. in your, your, your text message. It's the same thing. Right. Twitter and texting is the same. Yeah. Dude, I have three girls, uh, six, four, and two. <laughs> the two-year-old, ever since she was one, she knows how to work the smartphone. She gets on her little mom's phone. She gets on her mom's phone because I won't let her use mine because um, she'll get mad and she'll keep it all day and I'm on mine too much. Ish, but she, she'll use mom's. And the moment somebody will call or an ad will pop up, she yes. knows how to skip the thing. She gets You're pissed at correct. the ads. <laughs> yeah. And it's so funny. And I'm like, dude, come on. If a one-year-old whose brain isn't even fully developed yet can figure this out, 
But that, I mean, that goes to what we talk about every week. And I think it's so powerful. It's, you know, we think about how much money and time and content there is out there about these pop-up ads. Mm -hmm. Like it's a pop-up ad. Mm -hmm. Well, they're making all this money and people are protecting that. So they want, people want their content interrupted. So why don't you start producing better content? Do a better job storytelling and yeah. stop interrupting people because people are spending all kinds of money on commercials and nobody's watching commercials. What are we doing here? Let's make it easy. Let's get down and let's get down and I make know. it make it easier. I know. I know. Right? Yeah. I know, man. I I I have so many thoughts I could say because you know, marketing is kind of my background and and I, I could say so much about that because it, it it honestly when I did marketing consulting before I got into pastoral ministry, um, it was a true burden of mine. It used to make me like cry mm-hmm. when I seen how much money people were wasting on advertisement because they were so stuck to traditional means. Yes. And I don't think that traditional is dead. I just think the way that we use it is. Correct. I still think there's a place for it. Will it go away one day? Maybe. Um, but I still think it's the way we use it. But people dramatically underestimate digital. Woosa. <sighs> so, man, the, the thing is, somebody has to listen and they have to go, you know what? I'm just going to make the decision to go all in, yeah. right? To embrace the uncomfortable. Yeah. I'm going to go digital. I'm going to show up. I'm going to get ego out the way, yeah. whether two people that, like, that or avatar, t- I'm going to put my name there. That yes. I'm not going to be anonymous. Oh God. Yeah. Brand. This yeah. is who I am. And I'm yep. going to name it and I'm going to have yeah. a bio and I'm going to have yeah. a headshot. That's not yeah. some, you know, meme. Yeah. Actually built. So this is me. This is who I am. So Dude, I think it was a guest you had on your podcast. Um, maybe not correct me if I'm wrong, but somebody said, um, cause I was listening to a bunch of your episodes in preparation and somebody said that your brand is just your personality. Was that yours? That was on your podcast. I don't remember somebody saying yeah. that. That's I good. feel like somebody did, man. Um, but anyways, um, but that, and I was like, yeah, that's true. Cause people think like, Oh, brand, it's like me being prideful. It's me like showcasing myself. And it's like, no, it's just who you are. Uh, it's not, that's the thing. A brand is not being inauthentic. Oh my God, it's, that's amazing. No, it's just not. who you are. You're right. No, but you're, but, but this is great because what you're talking about is the thing that I see when people say social media, they think personal. So social mm-hmm. media is personal and I have my business life and I have my personal life. But like, once you, <laughs> once you realize that you are one person yeah. right back to you back, back when you were choosing between your friends, mm-hmm. am I going to go with the white kids or am I going to go with the black? Like if you just be you, exactly. Your true self, your true yep. self. Yep. This is who I am. Offline, this is who I am online. I'm Sean. Yep. All of it. You get all yep. of it. Mm-hmm. You get all my thoughts about my the chargers that I like. <laughs> you have an opinion about that. I don't care if you have an opinion about that. You take a number. You and the rest of San Diego have an opinion about me cheering for the Los Angeles Chargers. I don't care. Like I don't care. It doesn't matter to me. You get that a lot. Oh yeah. <laughs> the New York Times came out. When the Chargers are playing in New England, literally yeah. the Chargers are playing in New England on yeah. Sunday, the Sunday yeah. uh, Sunday paper for the New York Times, the article yeah. the writer, uh, Ken Belson, came to our restaurant and yeah. wrote about what we tried to do to save the team from leaving. <laughs> and a lot of it had to do with the backlash that we got for continuing to support the team since they were in Los oh Angeles. Oh, my God, dude. People all are these, so petty. But... But nonetheless, yeah. like, be who you are. Yep. And you're, 
you also have to find a voice for your brand. Mm -hmm. Even if you're a small business, like who you are is a brand Mm -hmm. online, but you also Mm -hmm. have your business. That's a brand. You know, like those are two different voices. Once I realized that and I started working on both of them Mm -hmm. every single day, a little bit more, having nobody like, nobody care. But now I'm as confident as I, I don't care what platform it is. Yeah. The way you build a brand is the same way you start a flash mob. How do you start a flash mob? So if you ever seen the YouTube video, how to make a movement, it's, it's phenomenal, right? So this guy, there's a bunch of people and this guy comes and he starts just dancing. Like nobody's dancing. Right. And they're all like looking at him like he's crazy. And he's just, I mean, he's going in, he's like, you know, he's like, he's getting it, man. And everybody's like, this dude is a weirdo. Nobody's dancing. This is not the place. This is not the time. And they're just looking at it. It's an awkward amount of long time, right? Like longer than like, like, you know how, like when nobody's joining you, time just gets way longer. (laughs) This is embarrassing. This guy is doing it for like 30 seconds, like long. And you're like, oh my gosh, you feel embarrassed for him. Yes. Right. And then all of a sudden here comes comes this other person running across the screen and they join in and they start dancing. Now there's two people dancing and then there's three people dancing. And next thing you know, everybody's dancing. So how do you build an amazing brand? You get out there and you say digital hospitality. Everybody's like, what? Digital hospitality. Everybody's like, what? Digital hospitality. And all of a sudden somebody's like, oh yeah, digital hospitality. Oh yeah, digital. And that's what we did with second chance athletes. It was like life after sports. Your best days are ahead of you, not behind you. I don't care if you're Michael Jordan, rest in peace, Kobe Bryant. I don't care if you're Kevin Durant. Your best days are still in front of you, not behind you. Yes. And people are like, you know, okay, Hall of Fame. That's as high as you can get. I'm like, no, your best days are in front of you, not behind you. No, your best days are in front of you. And as long as you think that they're behind you, you're going to only bring uh a percentage of yourself to your current life because there's going to be that little bit of peace that wishes you were back where you were. And the goal of life and the goal of service and the goal of everything is to be generous, to give everything you got and everything you are to the world. The more we give to the world, the more we receive from the world. So, so you cannot do that if you do not realize what we're trying to say to people, you can build a brand. You can do this just by being yourself and proclaiming, what your authentic voice knows is true. Daryl, I could have you on for literally another two hours and <laughs> we're going to have many more conversations. Uh, Absolutely, man. How, uh, how can people find you and uh, tell them about your podcast? Yeah, man. My podcast is called When I Said Yes, because we are simplifying success to helping people find their next yes. When I study successful people and um, this, my own success, I realized that it was less about all of the tasks that we did to be successful. And it was more about the decisions that we made, specifically the yes decision. You know, the thing you would do if you weren't afraid or insecure, the book you would write if you knew somebody would actually read it. That is your yes decision. And so I'm trying to simplify success by helping people find and identify their next yes by interviewing other people about their yes moments. So that's what the podcast is. And then um, Stinson Speaks is my Instagram. You can go to my website, DarylStinson.com and Second Chance Athletes. If you're you know former athlete and you need help building your life after sports, that's everywhere you can find me. I know you're putting the show notes and, mm-hmm. and man, I'm approachable. And I always say this, man, if you really feel like uh, man, that guy is supposed to be connected with me on a deep level. And we're supposed to do some work together, do some good together. Just shoot me an email, Daryl, D-A-R-R-Y-L-L at secondchanceathletes.com. Do that. And uh, I have one request from our listeners is if you do listen uh, and you're on Instagram, 
follow Stinson Speaks. Um, take a screenshot when you're listening and then tag um, both Daryl and myself at Cali Comfort Barbecue. Um, we appreciate it, you know, sharing it, passing on the message, the digital message. You never know where it's going to go, but I think um, people need to hear more about what Daryl has to say. So thank appreciate you, brother. You. I really appreciate you, man. Appreciate it. Love everybody listening. Go kill them. Any, uh, parting, any parting words? <laughs> my parting words is my favorite quote that our greatest fear is not that we are inadequate, but that we are powerful beyond measure. People are tuning in right now and listening to the last words because they know something inside of them is calling them to greater, calling them to more. And I want you to know that that something greater is not out there. It's actually inside of you. You have what it takes. You're more than enough. You got this. You're the man. Stay curious, get involved, ask for help. Thank you. Um, We'll catch you guys next week.